Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody. How are you doing today? Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing fantastic. Uh, interesting week. I had uh, my first uh, physical in a while. Uh, new doctor. And um, everything went well for me. Uh, cholesterol was a, was a touch high, but nothing that needed any medication or such. Uh, but overall, a good week. Uh, how's That's it going, interesting. Jody? Did you, did you have to PPE up when you went into the doctor? How was that experience? Mm, so it was interesting. So I switched doctors. And my, the doctor I had before, an interesting observation, which I told my wife, before my doctor was much more thorough <laughs> all the way around. I'll just oh, leave it at that. Okay, okay. And 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 the new doctor is not as thorough. Um, and I don't know if that's an age thing. I don't know if that's a sign of the times with the medical community. But some of the tests my my old doctor used to do, they're just not quite doing anymore. So the physical was much shorter. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I kind of liked the full you know bumper to bumper checkout that I used to get with my old doctor but uh, it, it is what it is right sign of the times so wow. and maybe it's a combination of covid and stuff like that but an interesting experience waiting out front taking your temperature asking you the questions masks all throughout the visit um, you know the facility was was definitely set up in a different way you just couldn't walk into your doctor's office anymore you had to wait out front and, and do these things but overall um, I was happy with the results with all the tests and stuff so uh, fit is a fiddle as they say but I could use a little more time on my uh, exercise routine I got to get out of my my funk um, as you know in the past I used to uh, work out every single day and now I just yeah. haven't had a chance to do as much so yeah, I was I was on the Peloton this morning, five o'clock. I did a live ride. Oh, good for uh, you! It was a lot of it's a lot of fun. That Peloton and uh, is, is just amazing. Um, and and I have become we bought it but pre-COVID uh, because my wife wanted it because her schedule was going to change and so she wasn't going to be able to get to the gym and so we got that. Uh, and it actually is a very reasonable it fit into our budget. Um, you know, even though it's a rather expensive piece of machinery, it it uh, it fit into our budget. So. I've been on that thing, man, and, and I've just been loving it. Awesome. Very cool. Well, today today we're excited to have an extra special guest with us, marketing and social media expert and ambassador to excellent customer service, uh, Peter Shankman. We'll hear from Peter about his business and about how he's navigated the world of being an entrepreneur while also being a great dad. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. So, Jody, the first news story that we selected uh, is from Newsday, uh, your your hometown, your home area. Home prices on Long Island as buyers compete for scarce supply um, report shows. So I guess they're on the rise. I neglected to say that in the headline as I misread it. Uh, but very interesting, new median home price, 469. I guess this is all due to people migrating out of uh, the city into the suburbs. Uh, Jody, what was your take on this story? Well, it's interesting that the first thing that I thought of when I when I saw this report and you see these reports all the time, right? Prices go up, prices go down, supply goes up, supply goes down. And, and you know, this is sort of like a boom and bust cycle that we always go through. But the thing uh, that I thought of when I read this was that there was a house that just went on the market around the corner from ours. Uh, and the asking price is eight hundred ninety nine thousand dollars. And that's way out of the range for our neighborhood. Um, and my first reaction was, oh, great, I hope they get that much money. Prices, you know, in the, in the neighborhood will go up. 
you know, property values will go up, everybody's in good shape. But then I thought, how the heck are young people supposed to buy houses anymore? And will homes start to become homesteads that are passed down within a family? Um, it, it, if the average price of a house is, you know, pushing 500000 half a million dollars, you know, is the average 30-year-old family, you know, couple sp with starting a family supposed to be able to buy a house at that? I just don't get it. It's just... It, it it troubled me a lot, and and uh, it just it just made me wonder. So we'll have we'll have to watch and see how things go. But uh, you know, storm clouds on the horizon, I think. Yeah, I, I looked at it a little differently, uh, but it's a great take you have on that story. For me, I, I think we saw this in two thousand eight. We you know in two thousand three through two thousand seven, people thought that the housing market was just going to go higher and higher, and it would just never stop. Um, but of course, it did. So. I, I kind of have this take that, you know, for me personally, I'm beginning to become more pessimistic about the pandemic. It could go another another year, you know, uh, it could be a two-year pandemic. And then in five years, hopefully things are somewhat normalized and, and we go back to uh, this migration out of the suburbs, back to the city, and the prices may come down again. But to your point, Jody, only time will tell. The second story that we're going to focus on today is four reasons why Social Security cuts are inevitable. And this was a scary one. Right. So they've been talking about it for many years, but of course, it's raising its ugly head again because of all the money that's being spent by the government. Um, I've always factored in Social Security into my financial planning, into my retirement plan. And, and I'm a little too, you know, I'm becoming fearful again that, you know, it may not be there for us or it might not be in the same state as I anticipated it would be. So I run my calculations every year and it says, this is what you're going to get. This is what your wife's going to get. I marry that to my 401k and my wife's TSP out, outputs. And then I look at her pension plan and I look at this as an aggregated picture. And I said, well, we're, we're, we're doing okay. But, you know, in that three or four-legged stool, Social Security plays a, a, a serious part in it. So I'm curious to see how this is going to go. So once again, this is another story Well, time will tell. But Jody, what was your take on this story this week? Yeah, I had the same concerns, Paul, and, and I've thought this for a long time. I don't expect to personally collect Social Security. I'm going to be 50 years old this year, um, and, and I think the program is a mess. I just don't expect it to be there. At least I'm not counting on it being there for us. You know, Every elected leader since the dawn of time has kicked this can down the road on fixing the Social Security program. Um, but I think there's a larger issue here is that I don't not only will Social Security go away, I think, but I think that taxes are guaranteed to go up in the near future to pay for everything that we find ourselves in the middle of with stimulus packages and, uh, you know, overbloated spending and the, the dumpster fire of an administration that we have in Washington who only knows how to steal money and give it to their rich friends. Um, so I'm, I'm getting myself ready for the coming crisis. And again, I don't want to be overly gloom and doom here, but I just think we've got some fundamental problems, um, that are just going to stand up and suddenly go, look, I'm here and we don't want to get caught off guard. And that's what, what our conversation is every week, weekend and week out here is not getting off caught, caught off guard with these things. So, um, I, I think we just gotta, we gotta get ready and to your point, Paul, about, you know, coronavirus and the ongoing pandemic and who knows what's going to happen and, and things are definitely going to be different. Um, you know, get your financial house in order, get get ready for what's coming. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the old adage from the Boy Scouts, right, the motto, be prepared, uh, if I remember correctly from my Boy Scout days, um, I think that's what you have to do. And that's what our podcast is all about. If you listen to back on some of our podcasts, we talk about this and, you know, going beyond Social Security to make sure you're prepared for a good retirement. 
Um, be prepared and earn your badges. That's right. That's what it was. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I guess we're going to jump into uh, to uh, the, the next segment of the show. Now let's bring in our guest, Peter Shankman. Peter, we'll give you a little intro, but maybe we'll let you intro yourself. You, you've been an incredibly successful entrepreneur. You're the, the founder uh, and uh and then beneficiary, you sold Hero, Help a Reporter Out, which is a great resource for people who are in the reporting and PR uh, industry. Um, you're the author, author of several books about marketing and customer service. I still love that story about um, the steakhouse uh, when, you, when you tweeted and got off the plane and were met at the gate with the, with the steaks. Um, and you're the host of the Faster Than Normal podcast, which is the number one podcast online about ADHD. Um, and you're also uh, a speaker who has spoken in rooms around the globe, uh, and you're a social media machine and a great dad and a friend. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. I mean, tell us, tell us where you are right now with uh, with uh, your business and 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 the uh, the speaking gig. I mean, <clears throat> things kind of dried up with COVID, right? So where where is where is the in person networking going on right now? Well, you know, in-person speaking gigs dried up. I was on a plane three days before everything shut down. I was in I was in Vegas giving a speech uh, in early March and um, came home with a week, you know, um, uh, 11 of my 14 gigs overseas and, and, and around the country had, had been canceled um, or postponed. But, you know, I saw it coming. I mean, I was in Asia in December um, and I was in I was in Asia actually in early January. And I remember seeing what was going on and and say, OK, this shit's going to be big and this is going to be difficult and this is not going to be fun. Um, you know, and one of the things I do do, which you, you missed, I, I'm also I'm the futurist in residence for a marketing and public relations agency called Epic Marketing Associates out of Delaware. And um, a futurist in residence, but essentially, um, I get paid to spend a lot of time thinking about what's going to happen in the future, what the world is, not only um, a year from now, but 10 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, and how things are going to happen, what's going to go on. And so, um, you know, I saw this coming and I said, okay, well, where are we going to go from this? And, and, uh, you know, no. The problem is, is that most people in this country, at least, we, we think about things. Okay, we have a problem. What can we do to fix it and get back on with our lives? Right. That's sort of how we look at everything. The downside of that is that that doesn't really work, right? And something like this that doesn't really work. There's not there's not going to be a get back on with our lives. Our lives are, are vastly different now. And 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 while we'll be doing different things um, that will become normal, and I hate the term new normal, but while we're doing things that will sort of become our our lives, you know, if you think back uh, in the 70s. You know, seatbelts weren't mandatory, and can you actually imagine getting into a, a driver's seat now without without automatically clicking your seatbelt, right? So, so things are going to become normal. But um, in terms of, for me, you know, I reached out to all my clients and I'm like, look, um, this is going to be some messed up times. Um, I'm happy to come in and do a Zoom talk, and of course, this is in early March. And a lot, I get a lot of what's Zoom, you know, and uh, <laughs> um, you know, happy to come in and do a Zoom talk and and, and talk. So, so I pivoted pretty well. Um, I was I've been doing a lot of online keynotes, virtual keynotes. Um, a lot of big companies have been coming in and grabbing me, like Verizon and things like that, and asking me to do more for them. So, I've been doing a lot of that. Um, I also have several courses uh, on PR, on ADHD, things like that that have been selling like hotcakes. Um, so, I'm not, I'm not concerned uh, professionally. The only downside for me is that, is that my happy place, um, when I'm not with my daughter, my happy place is being on a plane. And, and all my, all my writing. I mean, I've written four of my five books literally on flights, and um, I've taken two flights in the past three, in the past four months. That's unheard of. I mean, I, I, I do about a quarter million miles a year. Last year, I did closer to 300,000 miles on an airplane. Um, you know, the moon is 250,000 miles away. So I, I went I went further, I went to the moon and, and almost halfway back. And, wow. uh, you know, and 
that just stopped. And when you take someone with massive ADHD and say, okay, you go to 1,000 miles an hour, now sit here <laughs> and do nothing. You know, it, yep. it, it's been – and the other, the other side of the coin is that, you know, I find myself with a lot of free time. Um, I'm still speaking and work is still blowing up. But, you know, my – a keynote in Tokyo or in Hong Kong that would normally take three days to get there, to get back, to do the whole thing, now takes 47 minutes from my kitchen. Which leaves me a lot of time, right? <laughs> and and I'm very aware of that time. Um, you mentioned Peloton earlier, Jody. Peloton has saved me because, you know, I I went from working in an office with no windows deliberately to working three inches from my my, my fridge. Um, you know, if, if I didn't have these rules and rituals in place that allowed me to get on the bike and do things like that uh, and kept those, I I'd, I'd be I'd be 400 pounds. I'd be like I'd be like Homer when he worked from home when he was wearing a muumu. Eight fifty-eight. First time I've ever been early for work. Except for all those daylight savings days, lousy farmers. I mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> I just tripled it, my productivity. It's exactly. exactly. <laughs> Everyone gets that line on this call. I love it. It's it's been difficult in that regard. So you know, I have I I, I talk to my trainer. I, I have a trainer at Equinox, and I'm like, look, dude, whatever you think is going to happen, this gym is going to close. And and here's how you know. Let's let's here's a fa- here's a, a FaceTime channel. And, let's, and so I've been working out with him religiously four times a week. Um, at 5 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. in my living room he, via FaceTime, right? And him and his girlfriend, they've been traveling all over the world, but he's always on the call at 5 a.m. at 5.30, and that's, that's when we do that. So, so it's been easy to keep the rituals going. They've just required some change, and that's really the key. You know, any, anyone who's, oh, this is so difficult, it is difficult, but it's also fixable, and you can get around it if you simply uh, 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 figure out ways to... Um, adapt. Yeah, that's that's the key, right? You talked a little bit about um, you're still doing some Zoom talks. It, you, you're, you're, your presentations are mesmerizing, right? And, and you speak to packed rooms around the world. How has the content of those presentations now on Zoom or remotely changed or have they changed? What are you, what are you telling people now versus what you told them before? Well, you know, first of all, I, I hate PowerPoint, and I find that on Zoom, sometimes people actually require it, right? Because, you know, they, they can't just stand looking at me. It's different when I'm on stage in front of 10,000 people. When people are in the room, they want to look at things, and so otherwise you lose their attention. So I've actually started creating PowerPoints, which is just, oh, God, I hate those. But, um, you know, a lot of the content I'm talking about is still the, you know, a lot of the same. In, in terms of the customer service reality, I've always said that, you know, customer experience is, is horrible, and, 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 and it's so terrible, and people expect it to be so bad that all you need to do is just suck slightly less than everyone else and win all the things. Um, you know, if you think about your last flight and how bad it was, and you know, you had the anal probe at the, uh, at the, at the, at the TSA, and then they gave away your seat. And then, you know, so just be a little bit better than what people expect, you know, and, and, and you'll be over the moon, and, and you'll win a little So now, just adding a little bit of empathy to that, right, where you know, people are in a situation now where the customer experience, it used to be, please listen as our menu options have changed, and you couldn't get, you couldn't get someone on the phone. Now it's please listen to many of changes. And by the way, we have no one working anymore here because of COVID. So there is no human. So good luck. You know, Godspeed. May, mm. may, you know, may the odds be forever in your favor. So the 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 basic premise of just being a little bit better, right? Saying, hey, look, we we don't have phone support anymore, but you know what? You can email us, right? We have people who are answering email. You can do this. You can get it. There's so much you can do to just be a little bit better than what people expect, and that's. Again, that's really the killer thing. It goes back to my favorite joke of all time, which is, you know, two guys are on a trail run in the woods, and they're about five miles in, and they see a bear. No, oh my God, it's and the bear sees them, and he starts to, you know, he stands up and he raises his claws, and these guys are dead, right? And 
there. Holy shit, this is it. It's over. And the first guy he leans down and he tightens up his running shoes, tightens the laces on his shoes. And the second guy says, the hell's wrong with you? You can't outrun a bear. He says, no, no, I just need to outrun you. Right? And that <laughs> has always been my favorite joke because I don't need you to be awesome. Right? I had Tony Robbins on my podcast a couple of years ago, right? And he's all like, oh, yeah, we do the whole walk on fire. I'm like, what the fuck with the walk on fire? That shit's hard. Why would you do that? Don't let, no, no one needs to walk on fire. You just need to be a little bit better than everyone else, and that does not involve walking on hot coals. You know, it's, so, it's, it's so true. It's just just be a little bit better, and and you know, it it, it I, I always remember God, late nineties, early early two thousands. I, I somehow wound up with Tony, I was working for Tony Bennett, and um, some some random twist of fate. My parents, myself, Tony Bennett, and his very young girlfriend all wound up going out to dinner. At Nobu, and we walked in without a reservation because you know he's Tony freaking Bennett, and <laughs> and we had this incredible meal, and and at some point during the meal, my my mother gets up to go to the bathroom, and and Tony Bennett stands up when she goes to the bathroom, and and she comes back from the bathroom, Tony Bennett stands up again. My dad and I were, were sitting there eating sushi, like like watching The Simpsons eat with, the... <laughs> and uh, and we leave the restaurant, and, and Tony and his girlfriend go one way, my parents and I start walking the other, and 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 um. My dad's like, my God, that was an incredible meal. I'm like, my God, that sushi was so good. I was like, Tony Bennett stood up for me when I went to the bathroom and then didn't talk to us for a week, right? So it's like, <laughs> that's all it takes. Since that day, I have never not stood up for someone at a restaurant, at a table, at a, at a dinner, whatever, right? And, 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 you know, it's the easiest thing in the world, but no one else does it. That's what's so awesome about it. And I got to tell you, that story is a great segue into what we talk about here on the podcast, Peter, is, you know, parenting and the financial decisions that go with that. Um, you have a young daughter. I have a young daughter. Um, so important, I think, for dads to be teaching those kinds of lessons and those kind of expectations um, to our daughters and to our sons as well. Um, how have you navigated these last few months with your daughter? I mean, I've, I've seen you on social media, you know, going to the playground and stuff, but living in Manhattan in a box has got to be a lot harder than what Paul and I have where we can go outside into a backyard or something like that. How's that been? Yeah, it must be nice to have a backyard, little fuckers. Um, no, it's, uh, it's you know it, it's funny. Uh, my, my one of my one of my daughter's friends' parents, who is is the is the uh, daughter of a very famous musician, very famous musician. Um, she called me a couple weeks ago and she's like, "Hey, how's it? Hey, holding up?" So I'm like, "Oh, there's like, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, we go to the playground. You're oh, you you you." You've been staying in the city to write. Yes, Karen. We don't all have three fucking homes, you know. It, <laughs> but it, it, it's been it's been difficult. It's been we've survived it. I have a lot of friends outside the city, thank God, you know. And we've gone to their their houses and their pools. We're going to we're going to my friends a friend of mine's pool in Jersey today. Um, you know, his his he has a huge backyard and and it's funny. I'm a born and raised city kid, and I never thought I'd leave. And I'm still look. I'm still not going to leave. Right. It, it, this is my this is my city, but. It's difficult right now. I live two blocks west of Times Square, and in the in the seventies and eighties, the only time, the only reason you ever came down to where I live now is to buy drugs. Um, <laughs> and in the nineties and two thousands, it got better, and we spent like twenty five, thirty years cleaning up this this place and cleaning up the city. And it it seems like the current administration and COVID and everything has undone that in like three years. And living in Times Square is not as great now as it was. And, and the key is, you know, New York is one of those cities where you pay. A ridiculous premium on your mortgage for what's outside your apartment, right? Yeah, I true. I can walk. I walk. I mean, I'll never forget. Two years ago, it was a Sunday morning. I'm walking around with my daughter, and uh, you know, a couple blocks from my apartment, and we see 
Honey, let's see if there are Lion King tickets available. And two days, you know, two hours later, we're in the fourth row at Lion King, right? You can't do that nowhere in, else, right? In anywhere else, right? And so that's what you're paying for. And when all that's gone, then you're just paying a really big mortgage for a decent view, right? And so it's tough. Now, is it going to come back? Of course, it's going to come back. There's no question about it. It's going to be different, but it's going to come back. But the New Yorkers, the real New Yorkers, as opposed to the tourists, are the ones who stay when it goes to shit, and. It's not great right now, and I'm the first to admit that. Will it get better? Most certainly. But right now, it's difficult, and, you, and it's tough. Where do you think that road is in terms of getting getting better? I mean, we all have our own approach that we're taking with our families on, on making this get better, but how do you think we all get together and make this get better? There are a couple of ways. Um, you know, we're looking at, um, in, terms of, in terms of when does New York get better? Three to five years. Um, when does the country get start to get better? When there's a vaccine, right? Um, okay. The problem is, is that you know the whole. And I'm not going to get into the political aspect of this, but the whole concept of the defund the police thing, you know, I'm I'm in favor of taking some of the money away from the police and putting it towards social services. I think that's a great idea because the police shouldn't have to go and 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 deal with mental health issues and things like that on 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 on, on their regular days. That's not shouldn't be their job. Problem is though, is that you defund the police, it takes time to get those those. Um, other things up to speed, right? So you take the money away. Now there's no one patrolling around Times Square, but you haven't started the system yet that's going to help people with mental illness or help the homeless or whatever. That's going to take time. So now you have this period of time where not only is nothing getting done, but the streets are now dangerous, right? right. That's a bad way of doing it. So there are ways to change. I've gotten very involved in, in local politics as well as, as well as national politics over the past three years. You can, I'm sure you can imagine why. Um, and you know, it's, it feels good to do something, but I never would have imagined, even as a futurist, I never would imagine it would have gotten this bad this quick. So I think we're looking at a couple of years, um, overall, you know, the part that kills me and will always kill me is if we had simply in March or February said, you know what, we're going to shut down the country for two months. We're going to pay, we're going to put four grand in your bank account. We're going to shut down the country for two months. It'll suck, but after two months, it'll be over. It would have fucking been over. It would have been. Yeah, it would have been right. over. And 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 that's the look. I hate Trump like everyone else hates Trump. But here's the thing that I think is hysterical, and I wrote about this. There is not a president in our history of in the history of our country who would have not loved. This was a slam dunk. Oh yeah. Oh, I said there's a million right. Yeah. Slam. Mm dunk had he simply he could have spent four months playing golf every single day had he just let the let the scientists take over he would be president for another four years and could have done whatever bullshit he wants to do it because it was it wouldn't have cost military lives we wouldn't have had to invade anything we would have beaten this enemy if he had just listened that's the part that just slays me right that this moron is so self-involved that he can't even see he can't get out of his own way. He could have easily won this next election. And, you know, look, I'm glad he did what he did. I'm sorry that it, it, it came at the cost of so many lives. But it, it just blows my mind, right, that, that, that he's so incompetent that he blew a – he blew such yeah. a no-brainer yeah. chance. Yeah. It's, it's, that, it's that slow – it's that slow, uh, you know, uh, blooper over the second baseman's head 
that the that the right fielder just looks at and lets drop. Hundred you know? percent. It's just it's un, it's unreal. Although, uh, but, speaking of, speaking of baseball, dude, we're in the middle of July and the Mets are still in it. All right. Mm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, That's I, right. I, look, based on based on the news, <laughs> we're getting a little political here, which I sometimes do on the podcast. Paul puts up with me. <laughs> based on the announcement that I heard related to the Yankees the other day, I may have just become a Mets fan, Peter. <laughs> oh, me too. I, well, that's the thing. I've never been prouder to be a Mets fan. I've been a Mets fan since, since Absolutely. the early yeah. 80s. Yep. So let, let's go Mets. Um, get, getting back to the financial piece of the Financial Dads podcast, I'm wondering um, with it, whether it's recent history or whether in, in general, um, how have you approached um, talking about money with your daughter? You know, we talk a lot about how we – um, teach the kids about money, you know, little baby steps and things. And we did a show uh, a few back about needs versus wants, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, kids kids walk into a store and they, they look at the big aisle of toys and they go, I want all that. Um, and you that, that unloads the conversation about, yep. well, you have to make decisions and blah, blah, blah. Where are you with that conversation with your daughter? Well, the same place. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's New York, so everything's four times as expensive anyway. But... Um, you know, she, we, we've had those conversations. I mean, she goes to, uh, it broke my heart in the beginning, but she goes to a private school. I was a public school kid, but the schools have changed, right? They're not, and I was a public school advocate my whole life, but the schools have changed. She goes to a phenomenal private school, which is, which costs more than, I, I'm not even going to tell you what it costs because you just wouldn't believe me. And, um, you know, so you look at that, and then, you know, I don't like school. Well, let me tell you why you have to like school. <laughs> you know, let me tell you what that So it's, it's the premise of trying, what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to focus on is explain to her the difference in things. Because you ask her how much a pair of shorts costs, she says 100 bucks. You ask her how much you know school costs, she says 100 bucks. I'm just saying, and that's what she used to do. So I've tried very hard to explain to her the difference in things and what things are versus what things you know could be and things like that. Like you know, um, uh, this Hatchimal that you want, okay, that costs seven dollars. So let's look at what else costs seven dollars, right? And let's see, you have to pick one of these things that costs seven dollars, you know. And, and so I've started giving her. Uh, some money here and there when she um, when she does chores, whatever. I've actually started giving her fifty cents every time we walk down the street in New York. She sees someone without a mask. Every time uh, we see someone without a mask, if she says, "Daddy, why isn't that person wearing a mask? Are we gonna die?" I give her fifty cents, um, <laughs> which is just a great. I, I think that's the best possible way to spend my money I could imagine. But um, you know, in the end, I want her to understand the value of it, and especially in New York, because again, it is not cheap to live here, and and. And that's what slays me is I could go – I go to my friend's houses in Jersey and I look at, at their ridiculous – I have a friend who lives out near Exit 7 on the Turnpike, which is like near Great Adventure. Mm-hmm. And I went out to her house early in the summer and she's like showing me the whole huge house. She has all the huge backyard and the pool and everything. She's like, this is our box room. Oh, what's a box room? Oh, well, we get all our packages from Amazon. We save the boxes. You never, ah, box <laughs> the room. I'm going to kill you now. You know, let me show you a box room. So it's like, it's like this thing that, 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 that you know, you sort of have to understand. She has to understand that how lucky she is to be here, right? New York City is still magical, and she's still very lucky to be here. Um, but she has to understand that stuff is not free. And, you know, there are things she can do to help daddy make sure we can afford it. And, and the, for instance, she got a, um, she has a computer. Um, I got her a MacBook Air, um, and she had a Chromebook, which she promptly broke. And I got her a MacBook Air because she's doing, you know, next year's probably going to be virtual school. And I started to explain to her, I'm like, here's the thing: if this breaks, you don't have a computer for the next four years. Oh, well, you get me another one, but I won't. You're going to take care of this. And so she's being incredibly careful 
with this computer. She understands that the value of it is not something I could just go out and replace. Right? So there, you know, there are ways to do it. There are ways. But again, she's seven. She'll get she'll learn more as she gets older, I hope. Yeah, our daughters are the same age. My my daughter's gonna be eight in just a couple of weeks. And uh it, it's interesting to see the habits that they develop um with money and I think we you hit the word right there, uh Peter, the value of things, right? It's not necessarily how much it costs, but it's how important it is to you. Um, and, and that goes a long way, I think, in helping kids understand what money gets them. Um, it's also been interesting personally for me to see um, the dynamic between, you know, the, the daughter who's eight and my son who is 11 and watching them, you know, with, with all this remote stuff, there's been a lot of Fortniteing going on. <laughs> and, yeah. and part of it is because they can talk to their friends while they're on there. So that's we've really kind of loosened it up a bit because they can put on the headset, fire up the microphone, and they can actually talk to their friends in a way, especially earlier on, that they couldn't otherwise. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of money going into Fortnite skins. Oh, yeah. um, but it's but it's interesting to see how they save their money to buy something, and then one has saved more than the other one, and then they buy the thing, and the other one can't, and then the, so the, now the other one is is saving their money, uh, and it almost becomes a competition. And maybe that that's at least the secret that my wife and I have struck on is like you'll make them compete. <laughs> I, I wish we had that same in my house, right? So I have a 16 year old boy and a 10 year old girl, and. My daughter is the one who will spend everything she has, and my son is the one who saves everything. So, it, it, but the competitions never worked for us in this house. So, but it's a challenge, uh, and I like the way you 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 uh, talked about it, uh, Peter, in terms of you know uh, showing the value, right? I I think that for me. Um, I'm still trying to convince my daughter that, you know, if you have an iPad or something in your hand, you have to be really, really careful with these things, right? And, if, yeah. and to your point, if you make it too easy, just say, ah, we'll go get it fixed, right? Ah, we'll go get it fixed. They have to sometimes learn the lesson the hard way, right, where something breaks and it, and it stays broken. Exactly. Um, because otherwise they're not going to learn that, you know, if you break it, there's consequences. So I, I love the way that you presented it. And I like the fact that your daughter's kind of treating that MacBook Air, which I, I try to do that with my MacBook Air personally. <laughs> I, I treat it very carefully until oh, yeah. the one time it slipped out of my hand and I bent the corner up, which I'm still – Always. I, I, oh, I'm still uh, reeling over that. And that was four years ago, right? I have a yep. little Air 11 that I, I don't want to get rid of. And it's 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 – it's just bad enough for it to be very annoying. And every time I flip that cover, I see that bent corner and I'm like, ugh. but uh, it is what it is. So Peter, um, wanted to talk with you a little bit about your podcast. Cause I think it's fantastic. You've got some great people on there and, and you dropped some terrific names earlier in, in the show here. Um, you've been outspoken and, and you're proud of the fact um, that you're diagnosed with ADHD um, and your podcast faster than normal. Uh, we've had a conversation about this offline. You know, the, the explanation that I think you use, and I'll let you explain it, that, that your brain works faster than normal. You've described that as a superpower, um, that, that you're able to harness that and use that. How has that led you to uh, make better decisions perhaps with your finances or better decisions with your parenting? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, a lot of what I learned about my ADHD is that, you know, I only have two speeds, essentially. I have namaste and I'll cut a bitch, and there's really no middle ground there. And so I have to be very aware of what I do. Um, you know, there are rules that I've put into place in my life that allow me to sort of get through um, uh, the days. Um, 
you know, exercise, being on that Peloton. I'm, I'm on the I'm on the bike sometimes as early as 3 a.m. Uh, I'll get up at 3 a.m. and start riding because if I want to do a long ride, uh, whether I need to for training, I'm, you know, I was training for an Ironman until they freaking canceled it three days ago. But, um, you know, whether I'm training or I'm just riding uh, long for whatever, there is something about the ride that um, helps me and and centers me. Right. And I know that I'm a better person, better father, better everything if I've exercised. So the first thing I will do in the morning, hands down, is exercise. You know, I was lifting with my trainer an hour before this call. And so that has to happen. And that centers me and allows me to not make incredibly stupid decisions or rash decisions, right? I'm a skydiver. Um, I, I jump out of airplanes for fun. And um, I had a Someone said to me, oh, when my kid was born, well, you know, you're going to quit now, right? I'm like, why would I? Well, you know, it's dangerous. I'm like, no, what's dangerous is me not getting the dopamine hit from the skydive, mm. right? And then not being as good of a dad as I can. So, you know, there are several things that I do that I put into place. And, and I've learned all about those from my ADHD. I wrote a book, a best-selling book called Faster Than Normal, um, same name as podcast. And the whole premise is, yeah, I uh, have a different brain, but it's not a weakness. It's a gift as long as I know how to use it and to use it correctly I have to make sure I'm doing the right things for it. Things like exercise, eating healthy, right? I can go on a, again, that, that whole namaste or cottage thing, I, I, I don't have a middle ground. I will order a pizza and eat the pizza, right? There's no leftover pizza in my world. So when my daughter wants pizza, I'll order, you know, we'll go and we'll get a couple of slices and bring them back and she'll have pizza. Because if we order a pie, she'll have two slices, I'll have six, right? I wake up the next morning, I feel like crap. Oh, well, I feel like crap, might as well not work out. Well, now I haven't worked out. Okay, now it's three days, now it's two months, now I'm 20 pounds heavier, screw that. Right? And that literally is how quickly it happens. So it's about understanding your brain, how your brain works, and, and putting rules and regulations into place that allow me to focus. I have two sides to my closet, and they are labeled. One says office slash travel, and it's T-shirts and jeans. The other says speaking slash TV, and it's button-down shirts, jackets, and jeans, and that's it. My suits, my, 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 my uh, vests, my whatever, sweaters, those are in my daughter's closet. Because I had a look every day. When I was waking up, what should I wear? Oh, my God, that sweater. I love you, that sweater. I wonder how she's doing. I should look her up. It's three hours later. I'm naked in the living room on Facebook. I haven't left the house. Right? So you have to understand how your brain works. And, uh, you know, people think I'm crazy. Oh, you get up at three in the morning? What are you, a farmer? You know, you sleep in your gym clothes? Why? Well, because when I get up early and I'm already in my gym clothes, it's kind of hard to go back to sleep. I'm done. Let's work out. Right? So I don't care what other people think anymore. I've stopped. The only people that matter to me now are my daughter, my parents, my my you know, my daughter's mom, those are the people that are important to me, my girlfriend, whatever. I don't care about what other people think. I want to live my best life. Uh, I've woken up for four o'clock at four o'clock in the morning for I can't tell you how many years. Uh, and it's just, I, I find it to be the best time of the day for me. Um, I get up, I work out, I'm able to hit, you know, the email and the social media and do all that stuff in a quiet house and drink my cup of coffee before anything happens. And by six o'clock, 630, I'm good and I'm ready to go. No, no yeah. question about it. And, and it's just amazing how many people don't think about uh, sort of what can you, you know, how, how could you improve if you just let yourself, gave yourself a chance? Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I, I, it's, it reminds me of, I took a course once at a previous job, it was called Two Awesome Hours, and trying to figure out what part of the day you're most productive. And I think I'm in the same camp as you guys, where, you know, at 5 a.m., the house is quiet. I could grab coffee. I, too, have a Peloton. Uh, after this uh, podcast today, I'm going to listen back on Monday, and hopefully this will motivate me to get back on the saddle, so to speak. Uh, my Peloton has not been getting as much use as, the, uh, as your, your Pelotons, but I'm hoping to uh, uh, 
make that up at some point. I do have one quick question, uh, Peter, in terms of with the superpower with ADHD. How, how, do, how have you applied it to like financial decisions? Is there a take when it comes to financial decisions where ADHD has helped you in terms of so, making those decisions? So I set up, um, I think the best thing I've ever done is I have an accountant. When I sold my company, when I sold Harrow, my financial advisor, um, I had the money go right to my financial advisor account, not my personal account. Um, it was a lot of money. And I was smart enough to realize that if it was sitting in my account, I would be able to justify buying that new Lamborghini. I live in Manhattan. I don't need a car, right? So I, I had the money go deliberately to him. And, and it was invested, and it's done very well. And, you know, I am aware of um, the things that I'm great at and the things I'm not great at. And so the best thing I can do is outsource the things I'm not great at in terms of investing, savings, things like that I outsource that, right? I keep a little bit of money in my account, so I have money for whatever if I want to spend buy something special or do you know whatever. But I have one credit card. I have an American Express card, and you have to pay it off at the end of every month, and that's it, right? And I'm just again, I've set up rules in place that allow me to go full speed, but not go off the rails, and and that. You know, there's a reason that when I when I give a keynote in Vegas, um, I go for, you know, I, I I will do a 9 a.m. keynote. I'll take a 6 p.m. flight out of New York, land in Vegas at 10 o'clock, go to sleep, wake up, do a 9 a.m. keynote, and be in a 12:30 flight home. Nothing good happens if I'm, you know, unaccompanied in 24 hours for 24 hours in Vegas. <laughs> It's the same reason I don't drink, or I very rarely drink. I, I, I don't have one drink. I have six drinks, right? And so you have to know yourself. And it's easier for me simply not to drink. Am I, am I doing this because I want to get drunk? No. It's in front of me, right? The same way that that pizza is in front of me. So, again, know thyself. And that applies to every facet of my life, whether it's financial or, or emotional, whatever. Yeah, that is very cool. And and I think um, at this point, I, I think it's time we'll jump into our summary recap. Uh, for me personally, Peter, I'm going to listen back to this podcast when Jody finishes his uh, beautiful edits and such on, on Monday and give it a listen. And I'm going to take so much away from it. I jotted some pieces down in terms of uh, some of the things you hit upon. Uh, the new normal, right? So I think that's, that's key. I think that I had before this podcast, I was convinced that we would go back to some normal. But I think you're right. I think we're in a new normal stage. I hate that term. It's not yes. a new normal. It's the next normal. I'm doing away with it. So yeah, the next I, normal. I think that's what I'm going to have to do. And you have me convinced that this is you know, probably the case. And I want to focus on those uh, ritual changes, uh, making sure that I'm focusing on those pieces, as well as everything is fixable, and then kind of figure it out. And I love the, the term you coined at the, during the podcast, suck less. I love yeah. that. Um, Jody, what was your take on today's uh, podcast and takeaways? Yeah, there, I, I learned so much every time we have a conversation, Peter. So thank you for being here today. I think what I'm taking away today is to recognize our strengths and our weaknesses, to elevate the former and reduce the latter the best that you can and recognize that, that we are all in this together. We can learn from each other. Um, we can expand, expand our perspective and, and we have to keep going. Peter, let everybody know where they can find you online. Yeah, my entire world is at shankman.com. Um, I am at Peter Shankman on all of the socials. Um, I am uh, uh, fortunate enough that I grabbed my name. So at Peter Shankman everywhere. Uh, the podcast is fasterthannormal.com. And um, yeah, I run a mastermind group called shankminds.com as well. 
Very cool. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Jody and Peter, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm looking personally looking forward to when we meet again. We'd love to do this again with you at some point, Peter. Thank you. By all means. Uh, thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you. Thank you.